are happy to be joined by you for the third installment of the NECBL podcast. I'm happy to be joined by Daniel Curran and also Zach Goldman. Uh, how are you guys doing? Good. How are you? Great. Daniel? Zach, this is, your, uh, this is your big debut. We're very excited to have you today. Thank you. I appreciate it. So another week of NECBL action has gone by. However, uh, yeah, it's uh, Zach's first time on the podcast. Um, you know, very happy to be joined by him. So we've, you know, Daniel and I have talked about uh, the NECBL action for, you know, a, a couple times now, but we're a little curious to see what uh, what Zach has taken away from the league. So um, what, if anything, is, has popped out to you as the season's a little more than uh, halfway over? I would say the main thing that's popped out to me is the fact that, you know, Vermont got out, the Vermont Mountaineers, they got out to such a hot start. And I would think, you know, at some point, maybe they tail off a little bit. You know, it's hard to to keep a record like what they have right now. But I mean, 24 and 4, 28 games into the season is pretty remarkable. And it's not like they went on this crazy run where they, they you know, they lost four games earlier in the season and they've won however many straight. No, it's been pretty consistent where they've won a bunch and they've lost one, won a bunch and they've lost one. It's been pretty remarkable to see what they've been able to do this season. So I would say that was maybe my main takeaway um, for the season. But I mean, just the entire team has been, has been pretty much dominant the entire season. I mean, Ben Williamson, he's been really good for them um, from William and Mary and, and their pitching staff has just been lights out pretty much the entire season. You mentioned that. And one of their, their most recent loss was on Friday to the Upper Valley Nighthawks. And even in the games they lose, they will play, you know, they will play to a level where it's, they're still in the game. They were losing six, nothing in the eighth inning and it ended up being a seven, six final. So, you know, that was a, that, that was a loss that could have looked much worse, but they stayed in the game as much as they could. And not only that, but the next day they went out and played the Nighthawks again and won 14 to nothing. Yeah, they a bounce back win is not necessarily new to them. They definitely, when they lose, come out and completely erase it from their memories, um, which is unique. Not a lot of teams were able to do that, but whatever they've got going for them, the Vermont Mountaineers, it's definitely working this season. Yeah, and that particular one, that was against the same team. So, yeah, it's uh, it's unbelievable what they're doing. And like, you know, just looking at the NECBL archives, like standings wise, like, in recent memory, there hasn't really been a season like this. Usually it's um, usually there's a lot of balance. It's very back and forth the whole season, but the Mountaineers are on pace to, you know, in a 40 plus game season when, you know, have a win total, like in the mid thirties, which is, uh, you know, it's in, in as with the NECBL archives, like you don't see a lot of seasons like that, which is uh, so this seems to be a historic run by, uh, by the Mountaineers. So with the Mountaineers, you know, they're pretty much running away with the, uh, North division. Um, but a division in which, uh, no one's necessarily running away with it just yet. And it's between, uh, two very good and very, uh, consistent teams. And there's also also a third team in there that could make things very interesting. Uh, but in the, yeah, four, four teams, four teams within four games of first place, uh, the coastal division, uh, currently it is led by the Newport goals at 18 and 10 
Then right behind them are the Mystic Schooners at 17 and 11. Behind them is the Martha's Vineyard Sharks at 15 and 13. And then the Ocean State Waves have been uh, have been doing better as of late. They have uh, they're at 500 at 15 and 15, four games behind the leading Newport goals. Um, what are we what are we thinking about this uh, this coastal division race? Well, I think the most interesting thing, Chris, is that you mentioned those four teams that are all within striking distance of the division. There's a chance that all four of them could just make the playoffs because the way that the playoffs works is it's the three division winners and the three best teams record-wise that don't win their division. And right now, the Schooners and Sharks would be in the playoffs and the Waves would be tied with the Valley Blue Sox for that last seed. They are both sitting at 15 and 15. So there is a very real chance we could see four Coastal Division teams representing the six playoff teams come August. Yeah, I mean, this this division race is extremely, extremely close. And it's funny. It's kind of like Newport and Mystic have kind of been doing the same things over the past 10 or so games. They're both 8-2 and two in their last 10. They're Both of their pitching has been phenomenal. Newport in their last 10 games, 2.7 runs per outing. That's pretty good, especially for college ball. And Mystic, they've only given up three runs, over three runs, three times in their last 10. And the offense is completely different. They've both been crushing the ball. And I mean, I, I have a feeling this is really going to go down to the wire when teams are playing like this, especially when your pitching is good and you're in a role, it usually lasts a little while, especially when you've got a large pitching staff, which both of these teams do. So, I mean, this, this could go down to the last day guys. That's right, Zach. You mentioned the pitching and the offense, but both defenses have been excellent all season. Mystic and Newport are one and two. In the league in fielding percentage, Mystic with a 972 fielding percentage, Newport right behind them at a 971. So these teams all around are good at everything, and it's going to be very exciting to see them go down to the wire, like you mentioned. And also, it'll be interesting to see if the Sharks and Waves can can hang in there as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the In terms of, yeah, the Coastal Division, going back to the Schooners, because we, we actually um, – on their last podcast highlighted the goals a little bit because they were on a six game winning streak. Um, obviously they kind of continued that success, even if the winning streak uh, uh, snapped a little bit ago. However, um, going with the schooners, uh, uh, someone who, who actually Daniel and I actually were able to see in person from the schooners was Jonathan Gonzalez. The outing we saw, uh, I believe he went seven shutout innings um, and he's had that type of success the whole year. He's had five starts uh, Jonathan Gonzalez, by the way, out of Stetson University, uh, 26 and two thirds innings pitch. And what you could notice in person was his control of the strike zone. And he only has two walks in 26 and two thirds innings compared to 33 strikeouts. So, you know, for every walk he has, he has 16 and a half strikeouts, which is uh, pretty unbelievable. And I know he's been uh, on the honor roll at least once, um, the NECBL weekly honor roll at least once. So he's kind of been the, at the forefront of that schooners rotation. So uh, a, a shout out to him. And then of course, also in the schooners leading the way offensively has been uh, Kevin Ferrer out of Yukon. Um, he's uh, an outfielder for the schooners. He's played 19 games. He leads the NECBL with a 410 batting average also has three home runs, 13 RBI. And uh Along with that, a uh, a ten sixteen OPS um, in eighty six plate appearances. So, you know, with with players leading the way like that, it's uh, very easy to see why the Schooners are 
within uh, within a game of a team that was really surging with the uh, with the Newport goals. And I mean, you could you could argue that Kevin Fair, like you said, out of Connecticut, could be the most, if not definitely top five, most consistent player so far this season. Uh, once he came to the league, his batting average has been around 400 pretty much since he debuted. Um, and he's not necessarily a power guy. He has a decent amount of RBIs, but it's not up there, but he gets on base. And for a team like Mystic that just needs guys on base with the guys behind him that they have to be able to score him, he, he's a big part of their success. Um, I mean, again, like you said, a 410 batting average, he leads the league in that. Um, and he has a decent amount of plate appearances. He came a little late to the league. He He's about 85, I believe, the most in the league's around 110. But, yeah, I mean, he's been a big part of their offense. He's been great defensively in outfield, and he'll probably continue it just like he's done for the past five weeks. Another thing about Mystic that has been lethal for them is their bullpen. They've had several guys in there that, uh, you know, they haven't started games at all this year, but when they've come in in relief, they've just dominated. Uh, One specific name is Reed Easterly, who is out of – Yale University. Uh, he's made nine appearances this year. He has one earned run allowed. That is an 0.54 ERA in 16 and two thirds innings pitched. How about 23 strikeouts with six walks? That is 3.83 strikeouts for every walk. Uh, another guy that Chris and I saw in person, Connor Harris, who is very tall, by the way, nine, nine appearances as well, a 1.93 ERA, 14 innings pitched, 18 strikeouts to two walks. Uh, that is pretty remarkable control. And also, by the way, Connor Harris out of uh, George Washington University. And the last name uh, that I wanted to highlight out of the uh, Schooners bullpen was Ben Gorski out of out of Rutgers, who in tw- 12 and two thirds innings pitch, 10 appearances, by the way, 24 strikeouts. That is 17.1 strikeouts per nine, a 2-1-3 ERA. Those are just those are three names out of the Schooners bullpen that I mean, you're going to have a tough time facing all three of them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, the the Schooners have, uh, yeah, definitely risen to the occasion with their uh, with their pitching. And um, I guess to go with the rest of the Coastal Division, who, uh, as Daniel mentioned, um, looks to be, you know, they look to all, if the season ended today, have a playoff spot. Um, I think, um, you know, with – with Martha's Vineyard, they've kind of been like at the same spot for most of the season. They've kind of had a back and forth season, you know, they'll win a game, they'll lose a game, but I mean, to, to give credit to them, they've never gone on a, on a big losing streak. And uh, I think they've just been, they've been one of the more consistent teams uh, throughout the year. Absolutely, Chris. I mean, and that's that's another team that I would say when you're when you're looking at them, you got to look at the pitching. I mean, I think when you look at this Martha's Vineyard team, you got to look at their pitching because it has been phenomenal this year. They lead the league in strikeouts per nine with 11.2. And just looking at some individuals, the number one name you got to look at is Cameron Hill, who is out of uh, Georgia Tech, who has an 060 ERA this year. Just remarkable in 15 innings pitched. He also has 28 strikeouts and two walks in those 15 innings pitched. How about four hits allowed as well? A whip of 0.4. That is just remarkable this year. 
Uh, Cameron Hill has been one of the most dominant pitchers. He is out of the bullpen, by the way. Uh, and he's just been he's just been tough to figure out whether it be trying to hit him, uh, make contact, get on base. It just hasn't worked for many hitters. And the entire pitching staff, really, they have 15. Martha's Vineyard is 15 guys that have pitched over 10 innings this year. 11 of them have an ERA below four. So their entire staff has really been able to kind of keep it together. Um, it just in total, their starters have been solid. Stephen Quigley out of UConn. We were just talking about UConn with Kevin Fair. He's been really good this season. 21 innings pitched, just a 2-4-9 ERA with 28 strikeouts. So, I mean, just the, the entire pitching staff has really been able to keep them afloat. Um, but, but yeah, their they're starters and bullpen, like you were talking about with Hill, have definitely helped them be where they are. Yeah, pitching pitching definitely has been a, a driver of Vineyard's, you know, consistency. Uh, and then when you look to the offensive side, uh, it seems as though uh, you have Michael Snyder leading the way out of uh, University of Washington. He's hitting 347 with an 899 OPS. Uh, I believe he may have been... I believe he may have been, uh, an, you know, an honor roll uh, honoree. Yeah, he was. He was an honor honor roll uh, honoree at a point this season, and uh, very well deserved. And then also there is Matt Woods, who um, is usually at the top of that Martha's Vineyard Sharks lineup. Uh, he's hitting three nineteen, four thirty five uh, slugging percentage, and an eight seventeen OPS, as well as a three eighty two on base percentage. Um, which is, uh, you know, getting on base 38% of the time at the top of the lineup uh, can be very key, key for a lineup. Um, so he's been doing very well. Matt Woods, by the way, out of uh, Bryant University. And uh, along with that, he has, uh, you know, 12 runs scored in 17 games, five stolen bases as well, uh, can kind of do it all, you know, kind of an everyman for, uh, for, the, for the Sharks. And, and Martha's Vineyard just got a – they just got a new bat as well, Logan Chambers from Tennessee. Uh, in 40 at-bats, he's batting 350. I mean, obviously, it's not a huge sample size, but he leads the team in batting average if you take into account – if you don't take into account the sample size. And that's a guy where, obviously, Tennessee had a disappointing end to the season in the College World Series. But that's a guy from a program like that that can carry you a little bit offensively for the rest of the season. And the pitching staff continues to do what it does, what it's been doing. He, he can definitely be be a staple in this lineup and help them make the playoffs. That's right. Logan Chambers, 350, but also a 458 on-base percentage. Uh, he has collected eight walks and 48 plate appearances. Very impressive stuff uh, from that kid out of Tennessee. Yeah, and uh, and so, yeah, to, to transition to another uh, another team who has been surging as of late, uh, the Ocean State Waves have won five games in a row. Uh, they've, you know, they've really put themselves in a position where, uh, yeah, they, they would be a playoff team if the season ended today. So what have been the takeaways from the Ocean State Waves? Well, I mean, I think similar to the Martha's Vineyard Sharks, their pitching has been outstanding. Uh, they are third in the NECBL in strikeouts per nine with 10.6 and also second in the league in hits per nine uh, with just 6.8. They've been really limiting base runners a lot. Uh, and in a ballpark that compared to many others can be hitter friendly, their pitching has done a very good job at holding offenses at bay. 
And the, their pitching in general, Tyler Mudd this season has out of Holy Cross has been absolutely phenomenal. In 22, just about 22 innings pitched, he's given up one earned run all season. I mean, that, that is crazy. Um, and I mean, their entire pitching staff, they've got a bunch of guys under three RA, uh, Nick Piero, who is out of Seton Hall. He ranks top five in strikeouts in the NECBL. He's got 35. And, and it's definitely Brooks Eye as well. He's a, he's a reliever for them out of Virginia Commonwealth. And he also has been killing the strikeout game with 34 and he's got an ERA of 0.88 as well. So, so their, their pitching staff has definitely carried them. Yeah. Just going, going with some more uh, names on that staff. I'm looking at Nick Conti, who is out of Duke. He's a ACC guy and he has some absurd strikeout numbers in just 14 and two thirds innings pitched or sorry, 14 and a third innings pitch, 17 strikeouts per nine. That's 27 strikeouts in 14 and a third innings. Also, uh, he's only allowed five hits on the season, so he's been difficult to hit. When he's when he's throwing it in the zone, when he's got his command on, it's not he's not hittable. Two-thirds of his outs are strikeouts, which is pretty yep. absurd. Yeah. Yeah, it is very, it is very funny. And also, uh, shout out to uh, Nick Conti, he lit up the uh, the TrackMan leaderboards as well. He was in there twice. He was first in yep. average fastball velocity at ninety five point nine miles per hour, and uh, third in spin rate at uh, uh, twenty two thousand five hundred sixty six RPM. Uh, so yeah, he's been uh, <clears throat> he's been he's been something else uh, on TrackMan and also just in in the regular statistics with a with a two five one ERA and. Of course, 27 strikeouts in 14 and a third innings. Uh, offensively, uh, you have to look at Peter Sufreda leading the way. He's out of Lafayette uh, College. And uh, this year he is hitting 282 with an, uh, with an 881 OPS. He really turned it up uh, in the past week. Uh, he, he earned honor roll honors in uh, – in last week uh, also really sees the ball. Well, in 22 games, he has 13 walks. And then when he gets on base, he's a threat. He has uh, seven stolen bases on the year as well. Um, and uh, in, in one of the games in the past week, it was uh, yeah against Winnipesaukee on uh, July 7th. He, uh, he hit the walk off to uh, end that game and um, kind of, you know, it, it ended up, uh, it, it was the second game of the five game win streak that the, that the ocean state waves are currently on. So, um, you know, in all ways, in all ways, he, uh, he kind of, uh, yeah, in all ways kind of leading the way offensively. One of the more intriguing players on ocean state's offense is, uh, Kyrie Miller out of Winthrop university. Uh, don't be fooled by his 169 batting average because out of his 13 hits this season, Nine of them have gone for extra bases. He has five home runs and four doubles, as well as eight walks on the season. So his slash line in total is 169, but a 281 OBP, very good, and a 416 slugging. Uh, when you consider, you know, when you consider the batting average, those are both excellent. A 697 OPS. So, you know, don't also, like I said, don't be fooled. He's also uh, he was on the honor roll one of the weeks, and yeah, yes. he, he went on a tear 
a lot of those home runs, four of the five home runs he's hit this season were in the span of five games. So mm-hmm. he, when he's hot, when he's able to see the ball, I, he, he's on a different planet for the, I Asian actually got to see one of those home runs in person. Yeah. Yeah. That's a uh, one against Keen. Always, always great to see. Always great to see. Um, all right. Well, uh, any any more any more thoughts on uh, on this uh, coastal division race? It's gonna be. I mean, the, I think it's the beautiful thing is that among these four teams, it's really anyone's game. I mean, you know, Ocean State is four games back in fourth place, but when you talk about that five game win streak, there's no reason to believe they can't keep going and climb the ladder up to first. I mean, it's completely same goes for everyone else. It's completely wide open. I I wouldn't be surprised at the end of the season if any of these four teams win win the division. I mean, obviously. Uh, North Shore down there at seven and 22. They probably aren't going to be able to get back up with the chance to win the division, but the other four teams, Newport Mystic, Martha's Vineyard, Notion State, they all got a chance. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens. Yeah. It's exciting because the other two divisions seem to be almost wrapped up at this point. Of course, you know, stranger things have happened, but Vermont has a 10 and a half game lead over the upper Valley Nighthawks in second. The Bristol blues have a seven and a half game lead over the Valley blue Sox. This is the one division race that I think is really going to go down to the wire this year. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that should do it for uh, the third episode of the NECBL podcast. Uh, We hope you enjoyed this one. If you are, if you want to go deeper into the NECBL, uh, follow the social media. It is at the NECBL on both Twitter and Instagram. And if you want to catch all the NECBL action, go to watch.necbl.com and uh, subscribe to that to catch all the NECBL action um, on uh, on one website. And uh, also subscribe yeah. to the newsletter. Subscribe to the newsletter. Uh, yeah, go there and uh, yeah, just go go to the NECBL website in general. It is uh, necbl.com. And uh, yeah, so we hope you enjoyed this one and we hope to see you next week uh, for the fourth edition of the NECBL podcast.